You're listening to the audio podcast of Richard Hefner's Open Mind. For more information, visit 13.org slash open mind. I'm Richard Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. I first spoke those words 56 years ago this week as we record this broadcast. Later, only 50 years ago this week, as its founding general manager, I was deep, deep, deep in the throes of preparing Channel 13 here in New York to go on the air as the metropolitan area's first full-time public television outlet. So that September 2012 will mark a full half century since 13 here in the Big Apple joined so many other splendid public stations in cities like Boston, Chicago, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and others still to come. Time to celebrate, no doubt, and which is why, of course, I'm so pleased to be joined here today by Paula Kerger, the quite extraordinary woman who served a memorable decade at the Educational Broadcasting Corporation, by then the parent company of New York's channels 13 and 21, becoming its executive vice president and chief operating officer before moving up in 2006 to become president and chief executive officer of the Public Broadcasting Service, PBS, the nation's largest non-commercial media organization with more than 350 member stations throughout the United States. So that my guest is now the surrogate mother of us all, a brilliant and nurturing one indeed, as she presides so even-handedly and even-headedly over public broadcasting in the public interest. And it seems quite appropriate here at mid-year 2012 to start off today by asking my friend just how things are going in the public interest in public television. Well, this is a fascinating time, actually, in our history. Uh, We have a lot of the same challenges that have dogged public broadcasting throughout. We never have enough resources. We always worry about where we're going to be able to cobble the monies together, and we always worry about the federal appropriation, which for us is a significant piece of seed money that goes directly into our stations. But even with all the complicated financial pressures that we always face, this has been an extraordinary period for public television in this country. We have some wonderful successes with programs that everyone seemed to be talking about, like Downton Abbey. But we also have, I think, put together a schedule of programs that are important, that are impactful, uh, series like Frontline that each and every week bring some of the best uh, investigative journalism, I think, of any media organization. And at the same time that we're focused on all of this extraordinary content, we have the breadth and depth of distribution through multimedia. So television, which is the most important means with which we connect with people, is obviously the focal point of what we do. But we also now have online. We have the ability to put material onto iPads and smartphones. We have ways that we can connect with people that the founders of public broadcasting, yourself included, I would bet, uh, couldn't have imagined when this fledgling organization was put together. So it is uh, a little of the Dickens' best of times, worst of times in, in many ways, but I think so profoundly exciting. What makes it the worst of times? 
What's well, the downside? The downside, from my perspective, is that um, I look at our stations across the country, and that is, in fact, what makes public broadcasting so unique. I am not a network at PBS. I don't run a network at PBS. We were created by the stations in order to, to achieve at scale the work that would be so important for them, to leverage the resources they could cobble together from across the country to invest in significant content. We maintain the distribution system that connects our stations all together and by the, that connects to the American people. But they're all independent, they all have their own perspectives, and they all have significant financial challenges right now as they try to put together the resources to enable them to be significant and important members of the communities that they serve. So that, to me, is, is the biggest challenge. Some of our stations receive state funding, and the last couple of years have been particularly complicated for them. But there's been some good news. The state of Florida, as one example, eliminated all the funding for public broadcasting last year and has put a significant piece back this year because they recognize the unique role that the public television stations in that state provide for education in really reaching the kids across the state with content that's important and really brings the whole educational uh, world to life for them. So I think that it's, for me, um, as I look at every other media organization that's going through some of the same challenges we are, really trying to figure out how to use these different technologies, everyone's wrestling with what's going to be important, where do we make the investments, how do we think about how to leverage all of our work across these various places? What does it mean if, uh, if a Nielsen number isn't the most important barometer of success? All of these open questions for broadcasters make this complicated. I think what makes this very exciting for us is that from our perspective, it just broadens our reach in, in such extraordinary ways. How do you sit on it all? How do you work it all? Well, you, uh, that's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that. I think the, what we try to do is... Um, we, we prioritize out what, of course, is going to be the most important, and, and television is the most important. Actually, I, I, I'll take that back. What's the most important are stories well told, uh, authentic stories that really cut to the heart of, of the matter at hand. And if you stay focused on that, which, again, differentiates us from everyone else in, in media. And that's not disparaging of anyone else. They're just in a different business than we are. Our business is to touch hearts and, and minds. And so if you stay focused on, as your guide star, creating the kind of content that's really resonant, making sure that you're really attracting the best talent to tell those stories and to look carefully at what kinds of information is not being covered by everyone else, that then becomes the core. So it, in, in some respects, it's, it's, it's easy because you, if you stay focused on what's missing in the, in the commercial landscape and what would be important for Americans to know, then you can begin to build out the work. As, um, as I started to say a few moments ago, television as a distribution then is the principal piece. And then around the edges, we continue to look at ways that we can expand beyond that. And that's how we've been able to try to, to balance it all together. Paula, um, when it began, there was a lot of thinking about a conflict between, well, you remember it was called educational television. Right. Many of our stations, the E in their name stands for educational. That was certainly the case for WNET. But that led to a sense of conflict between 
public television, television in the public's general interest, mm -hmm. and something that was closer to instructional, educational television. Right. Now, that battle, in a sense, was won years and years and years ago, but do you think that now, with the emphasis on using the media for instruction, we may come back to a time when the lines are drawn again that way? No, I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. I mean, obviously, if you look at the work that we produce in public broadcasting and certainly the work that we produce for children, uh, which is all curriculum-based, which differentiates it from anyone else that is producing children's content, to the range of programs that we produce for broadcast, there is, there is an educational basis, a little e educational basis, I would say. Uh, but what we have been in, in, engaged um, and developing is a project called PBS Learning Media, which is using broadband as a distribution platform to deliver content to the classroom for teachers that is correlated against the standards that um, the teachers use as the framework for their lessons. Um, correlated, by the way, at the state level, because all education, like all politics, is local, and, uh, and K-12 curriculum. And so for the stations that have been very engaged in educational television, instructional television, of which a number of stations still produce a fair amount of that content, um, it gives them a platform to distribute that material in a manner that teachers can actually use it. So a teacher that has access to a three- or five-minute clip of content that relates to the lesson plan really is quite powerful because it enables the teacher to bring that lesson to life. We also, in this platform of content, are using not just public television-developed material, but also working with organizations like NASA, the Library of Congress, the National Archives, so that we can take some of the breadth of material that they have developed, some of them digitized objects, some of them short little animation pieces, and some of them video content, um, and, and put them in the hands of, of teachers. So I think that the fact that we now have the technology and the capability to look at our work from many different perspectives, I think eliminates that tension of, is it going to be... Um, public interest television, or is it going to be instructional television? I think we have different platforms to distribute different types of content. Did you think that was going to be the case 10, 20 years ago when you got into this field? Well, I think um, certainly as the, um, as the Internet has evolved, I, I, uh, and when I first came into public broadcasting, I mean, we were very early on. People, I'm, not, I'm not sure a lot of people are aware um, that public television actually for a long time was the most used .org site in the world because we recognized that this was a platform that had enormous potential. If you think about all of the research that goes into a public television project, think about a series like Frontline. I think it's an excellent example because they were very early on realized that all of the material that they were gathering together in order to create uh, an hour of television programming meant that the final product was going to be a distillation of an extraordinary range of research. So what if you could take some of those interviews that don't end up in the final documentary, the full interview, and you could put it up online? Initially, it was just the transcript. 
And initially, it was just uh, text material that was supplemental to the series. But now, if you go onto the site, you can see full programs. You can go back um, over areas that Frontline has covered over a period of time that have, that have cascaded over multiple shows. The, uh, the recent wars in Iraq and Afghanistan are great examples where you can actually go back and look at the programs that have covered this story as it evolves, but really look at what people were saying throughout as, uh, as history was being made. So I think that um, certainly uh, when I first got into this business and we were looking at um, our website and thinking about, well, we could put teacher guides there, we had sort of this idea of what the potential of it could be. And now I think of it as just another appliance like a television set as a way of just connecting people to content. When you mention Frontline, I think, of course, of uh, the brilliant piece I saw the other night on the Murdoch Mm -hmm. uh, story. Uh, How much flack, how much political flack do you get from the programs that appear quite regularly on PBS? Well, uh, we certainly do hear from people that uh, like what we do and don't like what we do. We tend to hear a little more from the people who don't like what we do. Um, That's what I meant. And uh, and certainly, um, you know, we do ruffle feathers. I mean, we do do hear at times. I think that's part of what um, uh, inspires some on, on Capitol Hill, to be candid, to... Uh, put forward the idea that perhaps this is not an institution that deserves uh, federal support. Um, I'm hearing rumors that there's an effort starting up yet again to question whether it's appropriate. And of course now the the argument is around financial terms. But I think um, there are those that um, I think feel that we're perhaps... um, too liberal. There are those that think we're too conservative as well. And I've, I, I do hear from people on both sides that feel that we haven't um, been rigorous enough in, in covering other areas. So it's, um, I think what we try to stay focused on all the time, though, is to look at multiple viewpoints to make sure that we are um, in telling the stories, doing it in a fair way. And we try, I think, um, uh, certainly in the news hour, every night what we try to do is to put the important stories of the day into context. As so many of the issues that we're re- wrestling with as a nation um, are complex. And the um, being able to um, consider the implications of, a, of, of an evolving story based on a two or 20 or two-minute soundbite uh, isn't going to quite cut it. And to be able to take the time to really dive into the background of these stories, I think, is, is what the contribution that we make. What's the history of the efforts that have been made in the past, political uh, movements to cut back on the funding of public television? Well, it's, it's gone back, actually, I think, almost since the beginning of public television. There have been these cyclical uh, attempts uh, by various uh, legislators to... Um, suggest that funding of public broadcasting is not uh, an appropriate activity. Um, And, you know, I look, I spend a lot of time now with uh, public broadcasters from around the world. Of course, when you you think about public broadcasters um, in other parts of of, um, the world, you think of the BBC, you know, which is funded 
um, many times over hours. There, 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 there have been uh, days when I've thought if we only had the resources of the BBC, what extraordinary work we could do. And, and they're funded, um, as you know, on the taxes on television sets. Our funding um, was always envisioned as a public-private partnership with the federal government kicking in a small amount and, and then the stations all obliged to raise the rest. And uh, our funding overall is, is um, the federal uh, contribution amounts to about 15% of our funding. That's 1-5, not 5-0. Um, but um, some of our stations, um, particularly stations in rural parts of the country, that percentage of their overall operating budget might actually be as much as 50%. That 15% number is an aggregate number for the entire country. It's a little less for a Channel 13 here. Uh, but in um, in some parts of the country, in Alaska, for example, the federal appropriation is a significant piece of of that of that of those stations. Actually, there's a few stations in Alaska covering that very big geographic area. With what consequence? And so, if that funding goes away, which is really why I spend so much energy fighting and trying to make the case so carefully about the importance of public broadcasting. What it means is a, a station like WNET in New York would be seriously hurt by a reduction in federal funding. There's no question about it. But a number of stations across the country would go off the air, and that's actually the consequence. And so people's access to information and content, and particularly in parts of the country, in Alaska, for example, there are parts of the state that the public station isn't just covering public television content. It is the only broadcaster in that part of the state. And so being able to provide all Americans with what I refer to as content of consequence, content that really has the potential to um, uh, impact lives, that is what is put at risk if we don't maintain the federal appropriation as part of our overall funding. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that we sit back and say, well, we've got this pot of money from the federal government, and so you know, we're fine. We work really hard to try to bring in resources from other places so that we hold up our end of the bargain. And I'll tell you, every year uh, for the last nine years, there's been a national survey done of how the American people perceive PBS and public television. And every year for those nine years, they have um, indicated through the survey that federal funding of public television was the most important investment, second only to our nation's defense. So I know, because I spend a lot of time traveling around the country and visiting with people in communities large and small, and I know the important role that public television plays. In fact, when I took this job, I went to Nebraska one of my very first station visits, and I met with a number of donors to the station and community leaders and so forth. And this man came up to me during the reception, and he said to me, um, I want you to know I drove three hours to come to this reception so that I could meet you. And he said, I grew up, he said, I live on the western part of the state, on the farm where I was born, where I'm now raising my kids. And I thought very hard about whether my children were going to be disadvantaged living in a rural community. But I wanted them to have the experience, and I knew that they wouldn't be disadvantaged because you were there, that PBS was part of my family's life. And he said, so I've driven three hours to tell you, you can't screw this up. So, and I think about him all the time, because that's really who uses public television. That's the face of public television. It's people across the country that sit around their kitchen table and try to figure out how they're gonna educate their kids, 
how they're going to live each and every day and try to, to really live the American dream. And many of those people also, as difficult as the circumstances are that we're living in right now, also sit at their kitchen tables and write checks to their local stations because they know that it's this public-private partnership that's what's kept this extraordinary enterprise alive. Will that partnership be any, in any important way skewed by the recent decision that um, political advertising uh, really can't be kept off of. So, the, so I think this um, this decision is an important one, and it's one that everyone should be watching very carefully. It is a decision right now that was made by the Ninth Circuit Court. Um, so, at the moment, it only applies to that district, and it was um, based on an appeal. A, a public station in um, in the San Francisco area was running commercials, and it was fined by the FCC because that's against the law. Uh, uh, and the station uh, took it to court and 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 um, and lost the case, and then appealed it to the Ninth District. And the Ninth District agreed with the lower court's decision that that running commercials was inappropriate but did strike down the provision that had barred us from, from accepting political ads, uh, indicating that it was a violation of First Amendment. I, I, I think that this will probably go to appeal, and I think that it is really important to look at, because what the, what the reading says is that stations are not obliged to take those political ads, but that it opens the door. And I think that that could be a very slippery slope. If public television stations whose most important asset is the relationship they have with their communities, that relationship of trust. And I really worry if stations begin taking political ads, how that could actually skew their relationship with the communities that they serve. Are there any indications of what the next step will be? So uh, it, we're right now waiting um, to see what, what the FCC will do. Um, um, and uh, my, I, and I, I would think that the FCC would probably appeal the decision. So, but they're in that window where they have an opportunity to respond, and so we're waiting to see what the outcome will be. Leaving political commercials, but dealing with commercial material, uh, certainly there has been more and more criticism uh, of the uh, what? What is it that we call it? Enhanced. Enhanced underwriting. Enhanced so underwriting. We, um, you smile. Yeah, I do smile. Because um, I was thinking as you were talking how what a great change you've seen since the days of uh, the little blue card that we used to put up on the air. Remember that used to have the company name and printed on it. Or the very, the very simple Thank You, Payne Weber, which is an ad that I remember from when I was growing up uh, at the time. Um, and so I think that nonprofits, not just public television stations, really struggle with how do you navigate that line between really wanting to build solid relationships with companies and partnerships, but at the same time uh, not becoming commercial because that obviously, um, once you cross that line, it, it just takes you in a, in a whole other business. In, 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 you know, and it could be an honorable business, but it's just different. So um, what we accept for our air are, are, are spots that do not have call to action. I mean, there's a whole series of criteria that we have to oblige, but it's certainly more than that blue card. And I, we watch that very carefully, and we're constantly um, in discussions about what is appropriate and isn't appropriate for a public station. 
the corporate, I, I think the one thing that I'll, I, I will say about our corporate underwriting, and there's a lot of work that we do that wouldn't be possible if we didn't have good corporate partners as well. And they've been with us uh, for many years that have helped us, particularly in, in the sponsorship of, of programs that have come to air. Uh, but the largest support that comes to public television stations is from viewers like you. It's individuals, and uh, it's more than half of the resources that come into public television from individual philanthropy. That, I think, at the end of the day, is what anchors public televisions, television stations most carefully in their communities, because the only reason that stations receive that support is because they are operating in the public interest. And I think if stations start to veer away from that, they hear from their they hear from their members. And so I think that that, and that's why when I fantasize about all the revenue that comes in from the BBC, the system that we have that perhaps we wouldn't have created now um, actually works because I think that staying anchored in communities is what makes us different and unique. Paula, what are the differences in amounts that uh, per capita in this country and in, let's say, England are received by public broadcasting? Yeah, so... We are, um, we are on the lower end in terms of per capita contribution uh, to public broadcasting. We're at about uh, $1.25 a person a year. I used to say that that was the price of a cup of coffee, but certainly some <laughs> coffee establishments, that won't even buy you a small coffee. Um, $1.25 a person a year. And, um, and I think that the, um, the, the BBC is tenfold. So it, it just gives you some um, idea of the difference between the funding for us and the funding for others. Um, we do a lot of part, you know, we leverage our money uh, significantly. Um, our entire uh, content budget is less than HBO um, has as their advertising budget for one of their big series. So we, uh, we work pretty efficiently, and uh, we develop partners, and uh, we leverage our work. Let's leave it at that right now, Paula, but you've promised to sit still and do a second program. So I'll thank you now for joining me and thank the audience, but stay where you are. Okay, thanks, Dick. And thanks, too, to you in the audience. I hope you'll join us again next time. Meanwhile, as another old friend used to say, good night and good luck. And do visit the Open Mind website at 13.org slash openmind to reprise this program online right now or to draw upon our archive of 1,500 or so other open mind and related programs. That's 13.org slash open mind.